Hey, this is Joey Rumble. I'm the pastor of Summerbrook Church in Somerville, South Carolina, and this is our podcast. I hope the message you listen to today speaks to your heart and helps you connect with Jesus and grow in Him. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the message. As we go into the message today, if you would uh, bow your heads and pray with me. Father God, you're awesome. You're a holy God. You uphold the whole universe, God, and you're worthy of our time and attention to your word, Lord. Pray you would speak to us, God. Help us to grow and know you more and, and know how much you love us and to live for you. Uh, God, help me to teach your word accurately today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be in the book of Luke in your Bible, the Gospel of Luke, the historian, chapter 16. Um, so if you have your Bible, Luke chapter 16, uh, verse 19 is where we're going to start at. Um, and it will also be up on the screen so you can read it there. Um, but this is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, uh, the beggar, um, the poor man. And uh, it's told to Jesus, to his disciples, and also the Pharisees are there overhearing as well. Um, so let's read it the whole way through, um, and then we'll talk about it. So Luke chapter 16, verse 19 starts. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you would not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send to my father's house for I have five brothers so that, they, that, so that he may warn them lest that they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. That is the word of the Lord. So uh, this parable shows a, a great tragedy, um, a great tragedy of this rich man's life. And um, when Jesus is sharing this parable and really through all scripture, wisdom is calling out to us. Wisdom is calling out for us. And Jesus says, let him who has ears, let him hear. And so do you have ears this morning to hear the wisdom uh, from this passage? Because a fool learns from experience that you're just going to figure it out and you'll fail and do a bunch of things wrong and eventually you'll get it right. But that's the foolish way to learn. A wise person 
learns from others' experiences and, and learns from the situations and the scenarios that are calling out uh, before them. And this scenario of death is a, is a situation that we do not want to learn from from experience because once you die, what we learn from this parable is eternity, it's fixed. Whether you go to heaven or hell, that's it. You don't get to go back. There's no second chances. And so it is paramount, it is of utmost importance that you learn from wisdom today and learn from this rich man who has died before it is our turn to die where we won't have any more chances to get it right. So one thing that I really think stands out from this parable, well, is the first the tragedy of this rich man uh, didn't care for Lazarus. And, and one, it's a tragedy because all humanity, the Bible teaches, is made in the image of God. Uh, Genesis 1, uh, God says, let us make man in our image. In the image of God, uh, he made them male and female, he made them. So all humanity, male and female, is made in the image of God. And one thing that means is that all of us have... Uh, innumerable worth, that we have so much worth because we're made in God's image, that he has put his seal upon us where it doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, it doesn't matter where gender you are, it doesn't matter what race you are, everyone has uh, value, so much value uh, before God and before, it should be before all of us because we're made in God's image and so no one should do harm to another fellow be uh, human being and, and if we see a fellow human being, an image bearer struggling, suffering, out of our fear for God and our love for our neighbor, we should care for that person. And this rich man fails to do that for Lazarus. But not only that, but he's rich. So he has great means to help this poor man who, who has sores, who looks injured, who's on the, laying on the side of the row before this guy's gates. Um, so he has the proximity. He's near to this rich man. And the rich man also had the means to help him and change his life. He could have paid for his medical bills. He could have gave him food. He could have done whatever to help Lazarus, uh, but he did not do so. And, and one thing that's so scary about that is because this shows human nature, our, not the image-bearing nature God gave us, but our fallen, sinful human nature, that humankind has rebelled against God. And Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And from then on, all of us are born with a sinful nature. We, we reject God. We, we break his commandments. We are selfish and conceited and, and only worried about number one. I, I know um, that before Christ and even with Christ sometimes, I struggle to care for other people as I should and, and to follow the great commandment that in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, this is from the law. Um, and this is what uh, is said in this parable when it talks about Moses and the prophets. The Moses represents uh, the, the Torah, the Pentateuch of the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, um, where the law of God is given, where you get like Moses with the Ten Commandments. And then the prophets represents like the, the prophets in the future, like Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, all these prophets in the Old Testament. And so he's saying we have the Old Testament. And one thing we get from the Old Testament is Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, says this, love your neighbor as yourself, for I am the Lord. That the, the, Lord, the Lord has charged all the Jewish people and really all hum, humankind to love our neighbors as I love ourselves. And Jesus picks up on this in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 12. He says, whatever you wish that others would do for you, uh, do for you, do also for them. For this is the law 
and the prophets. This is Moses and the prophets. So the whole Old Testament, Jesus says, is summed up in this one statement. The, the golden rule to love your neighbor as yourself. If you really wish someone would do something for you, do it for them. That this is what it means to, to follow God and, and, to, and to love people is, is to obey this. But the, the, the thing is, we don't do this. We break God's command. We don't love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And this really shows the hardness of humans' hearts. That we could have someone suffering right out in front of us. Someone in our own proximity, someone we might even see every day. But we're like, I, I, I'm busy. I got things to do. I got, I got me to care for. And we just totally don't care about the people around us who, who are suffering. And one thing that the, the shares right here uh, in this parable at the end is this guy realized he was stuck in hell. But, but he's like, my brothers, my five brothers, go and warn them. And Abraham, who represents God in this parable, because for the Jewish people, remember this audience here is for, for Jews, um, is Abraham is the father of the Jews. That God himself says that I am the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that, that Abraham's father, Abraham, who started the whole Jewish nation. And he's, he's, he's in heaven. We'll meet him one day if you believe in Jesus, which is really cool. But he's speaking on behalf of God in this parable. And verse 29 says, but Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And the rich man responds, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, if you do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And so a couple things I get from that is, one, the Bible is powerful. The Bible is God's word and revelation to us. And it is there to teach us and, and rebuke us and exhort us and encourage us and teach us the, the way and the will of God that we should have life. But people reject that and they don't want to listen to that. And, and he's like, well, if someone visited them from the grave, if someone from rise from the dead, that would help them repent and, and believe in God and follow him. But God responds through Abraham that even if someone should rise from the dead, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen to that as, as well. And so it shows the, the depravity, the hardness of hearts of humanity, that we reject God, we reject his word, we reject his miracles, we reject the evidence of Jesus Christ, that Jesus did really live, he did really die, and he did really rise from the grave. We reject all that. It's not a, ma a matter of enough evidence that stops people from believing in Jesus, but it's just a hardness of heart. Uh, of a rejection against God. And so what are we supposed to do with this hardness of heart? Um, I think one of the greatest things we can do as Christians is to pray, is go before the throne of God and to pray for people that God would change their heart. Because Jesus says in John chapter 6, 44, this is Jesus speaking. He says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. So you can't come to Jesus and be a Jesus follower, a Christian, Unless God the Father puts it on that person's heart and draws them to him. And so it's a, an act of the grace of God for each person to come to believe in Jesus and have their heart softened. Um, Exodus chapter 36, a prophecy of one of the prophets about our hearts says in verse 26, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. The God says we have hearts of stone 
and we reject God and don't follow him. But through the grace of God, he's going to transform our hearts to be hearts of stone to soft flesh believing hearts that are obedient to him. And he's going to put his Holy Spirit inside of us to help us obey God and follow him. And so uh, uh, we have a great opportunity every day to do this, but a great opportunity as a church to gather together on August 7th through August 27th for 21 days. We do this two times a year in January and August every year as a church. We gather for 21 days and pray. We pray for our city. We pray for our church family. We pray for ourselves that we would have a revival of God, that our, that our community would have a revival of God, and God would change the hearts of stone into hearts of flesh, and God would put their spirit inside of his people, and we would believe and, and follow him. And so this is a great prayer to pray for someone to God take out their heart of stone and give them the heart of flesh. And we, we really would love for you to join us for that 21 days of prayer in August, um, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. and Saturday at 9 a.m. <clears throat> so another thing we get from this parable is a lot of times uh, we can get confused about how brief this life is. It's here but just a breath. Um, and we think like, oh, you know, I can make a decision about God another time or, you know, and we put off death from our mind. But this makes death such a clear reality. And then once you die, your eternity is fixed is what this uh, scripture shows that there's a great chasm once you die. And you're either going to heaven or to hell and you can't cross from hell to heaven and heaven to hell. And once you're dead, you're there for all eternity, stuck there. And so I ask you today... If you were to die today, do you know where you're going? Do you know if you would be with God forever and ever in heaven? Or do you know, or do you not? Sure, you might go to hell and be separated God from all eternity and hell. And this is a reality for every human being. We're all eternal beings. God's given soul and we're either going to heaven and be with God forever or hell. And we're fixed there, stuck forever. And so do you know where you're going? And then if you know that, do you know where your family's going? Do you know where your spouse is going? Do you know where your kids are going? Do you know where your neighbors are going? Do you know where your coworkers are going? Do you know where your extended family is going? Because this is the most important question there is. What are we going to do with Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Because it's only through him are we saved. One thing that people can get confused, and it's a good question to ask people, is, hey, if you die today, do you know where you're going? Because a lot of times if you ask someone that question, they'll say, I'm going to heaven. And then you ask them why. And they say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I, I do good things. I go to church. You know, I, I read my Bible every now and then. And I love my family. But that is not what this parable is teaching. You've got to take this parable in the greatest context of Scripture. It's not because the rich man was rich that he went to hell. And it's not because the poor man was poor that when he went to heaven. It's not about our good works. Well, what if the rich man would have sold his possessions or maybe just used some of his extra money and went out to Lazarus who was dying on the side of the road and gave him some food and cared for him and loved on him and helped him. Well, God been like, oh, great job, rich man. You're coming to heaven with me now. That, that is not what the Bible teaches. But the Bible teaches, let's get into it actually. Let's, let's look at the scripture. John 14, verse 6 is what Jesus is talking. And Jesus says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
that we can sometimes get confused. Maybe it's our good works that get us to God. Maybe it's being in, what about the people in other religions, like Muslims or Jews? Or what about a good atheist who's doing a lot of great things and helping the, the world and people? No, none of these things are going to get you to heaven. But Jesus says that he is the way. He is the truth, not a truth, but the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father God except through Jesus. So it's through Jesus that one gets to heaven. But let's look at some more scripture. Romans, these are great scriptures, by the way, to memorize and to have up stored up so you can share with other people. Um, so Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, what this is sharing is it's not just, it's not just uh, killers, it's not just murderers, it's not just thieves, um, it's not just the people you think are really bad people, but it's all. All humanity has sinned and rebelled against God, broken his moral commands, and we're lawbreakers before God, before the holy, eternal God, and we've fallen short of his glory. And so what is the punishment, the penalty for this? Romans chapter 6, verse 23 again, says, For the wages of sin is death. And what this is saying is the wage is, is what you earned. Like at the end of your work day, you get a wage. You've earned this. And, and God's saying the, the end of our works, our efforts, even our good deeds, what we've earned before God, before this just and holy God is death. That God is a good judge. And a good judge can't even let one crime go unpunished. He's perfectly just. And he was going to condemn every sin. And when you break the commands of Holy, perfect, almighty creator of all the world. When we have the arrogance and the pride to rebel against God himself, there is a big punishment for that, and that is death. That is the wage of our sin. But that's not the end of that scripture. Romans 6, 23, the other half is that says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That you can't earn your way into heaven. You can't be a good enough person. You can't have it together enough. God's too holy for that. But the only way to get before this holy God and be with him for all eternity is he made the way through his only son. And it's a gift that we can't earn, but we receive freely by his grace. And it's a gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ alone. Um, one more scripture I want you to look at and I encourage you to memorize and have stored up in your heart is Romans chapter 10. Verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is a promise from scripture that God says, hey, if you confess, say with your mouth that you declare it. This is, this is the banner of your life that God, I'm no longer my own Lord. I'm no longer my own king. I'm no longer my own God. But I'm going to let go and surrender all of my control and I give it to you. You are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. You're in charge. Have your way. I'm going to follow you. If you say, Jesus, you're Lord, and then believe in your heart with everything that you are, that Jesus died for you, his sin was enough to wash away all, his death was enough to wash all away your sin. That you're clean now through the blood of Jesus. He's washed away all your sin, past, present, and future. As far as the east is from the west, God has cast your sin and that far away from you, that through the blood, the holy blood of the Son of God, you're washed clean. 
and you're made right before God. And then not only did he die for you, but three days later, by the power of God, he rose from the grave, showing that he's greater than our sin. He's greater than death. And just as he rose from the grave, so when you believe in him, you would not perish, but have everlasting life. And you'll be resurrected and you'll be with God forever and ever and all eternity. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you would believe in it, you wouldn't die, but have eternal life. Confessing Jesus as Lord and believing he died and rose again for you. This is what matters in life. More than any of our temporary earthly pleasures that are here one day and gone the next, this is eternal. What you do with these truths, with, with Jesus Christ, and have you accepted him, and has your family accepted him? So I'm going to lead you in time of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Um, so if you want to bow your head with me, if you've never done this before, I encourage you to do it with me. This is the thing that matters. Um, but if you've already done it, you can do it with me again. And then this is also, listen to kind of the prayer I pray so you can help lead others to Jesus as well. So let's bow our heads. God, I've sinned and my sin is worthy of death. But Jesus, I thank you that you love me and you came and died and took my place and you saved me from my sin. And Jesus, right now I confess you as Lord that I give over control of my life to you. I wanna follow you, God. Come into my life. I believe you died for me and that you rose from the grave. God, I love you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. That, that's, that's it. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I just wanna celebrate with you. Um, if, I don't know where my card went, but inside your info guide, there's a connect to Jesus card. We'd love for you to fill that out and just tell us, hey, I made a decision to follow Christ today. We want to celebrate with you. We want to help you in your, in your walk with Christ and equip you to keep doing it well. Um, so fill one of those out and you can put it in the bucket on the way out. But this is not not some just magical prayer. You don't have to say just the right words, but it's the a, it's a action of the heart that you trust and have faith in what Jesus has done for you. And that's what makes you saved, not your good works. But when you believe in Jesus, the, the craziness of believing in God should transform you and his spirit should fill you where it changes the desires of your heart, where no longer it's about me anymore, but it's about God. It's about his ways and his will. And it's about all these people he's died for and you become a person of love. And your life should be defined by this love and, and, and this outreach for helping other people know Jesus. Uh, to close, I want, I want to think about our finances for a second. That this parable was about this rich man's finances and being rich is not sinful. The love of money is sinful, but money itself is not sin. Money is a tool and a precious gift of God to use for God and for his kingdom and for his purposes. Something that just breaks my heart so much is that so many people in America, they're just working, 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 working. And work is good, but you can idolize work where you're, just, you're doing it for yourself and you're not doing it the way God would want you. If we were working so much and working so much overtime and so many jobs, but we don't have any time with our family, that is not the will of God. That, that God wants you to use your time, not for just to build wealth here on earth, but to make an eternal impact. And so when you look at your money, 
And the way you use your finances, I hope you have a budget. Having a budget is great. Wise thing to do. When you look at your budget, just over the past month, just think about your budget. And just look at it when you get home today with your wife or, if you're, or with your husband or if you're single with yourself. And it's great to have an accountability partner with that. And just think, God, am I using my money to honor you? Because it's all yours. It's all yours, God. Am I, just, am I just trying to get nicer clothes? Am I just trying to get a nicer house? Am I just trying to get a bigger boat and a bigger car and, and whatever? Because all this stuff's going to fade away. Is any of this stuff I'm using your money for, God, for an eternal impact? Because helping people know Jesus is what matters. Am I using this to build relationships with my family? Do my kids know how much I love you, Lord? Do my, do my kids know what you've done for me? How good you've been, God? You're, how faithful you've been? Are you passing along Bible stories and the goodness of God to your family? Do, you, do your extend, your brothers and sisters know this? Do your, do your parents and grandparents know what God has done for you? Because if you're working so much that you don't have no time for relationships, you're missing it. Because relationships give you influence. And influence is what helps you get people to heaven by using your relational influence to share about Jesus. But also, it's great to work hard. But then are we managing our money that we earn well? Or are we just buying and overspending and, and going over our budget and not living under our means where we're tied down by debt? And that's what breaks my heart so much. So many Christians, they could be doing so much for God, but they're just so in bondage to debt that they're just enslaved to MasterCard and Visa and the more stuff and the more things and materialism. It's everywhere in our culture and it's so hard because we're surrounded by stuff and advertisement and everybody has so much nice things. It's hard not to covet and want these things. But as Christians, we got to have the self-control to say, this stuff is meaningless. I want to live my life for Jesus and, and use my money to, to do stuff that matters, to make an impact, to help people know about God. I don't want to just waste my life and all these things that are going to pass away. But which of these things are eternal? So I beg you and plead you to look at how you're using your money and, and devote it to God. And use it for his kingdom and for eternal purposes. And I just want to thank you and congratulate you as a Sunbrook Church. And one thing we're doing awesome is we're using our finances to build God's kingdom. One way we're doing that is this way. With the outreach bags we've been doing, I'm so excited. Uh, we've been gathering on Tuesdays and stuffing these bags with paper towels and toilet paper and snacks and, and just nice things. And we've been putting it on our neighbor's doors in Somerville and just dropping them off at all these doors. And people have been impacted by our generosity because generosity softens someone's heart to the gospel. Because as Christians, if we're defined by our generosity... People are drawn to that. Like, wow, these Christians are so selfless. They're, they're so generous. Like, wow, they really care about me. If you can use your generosity to give a good name for Christ, wow. But if we're stingy with our money, if we're just worried about ourselves, no one wants to be a Christian. Like, those selfish Christians, they don't, they don't ever give. We want to be a generous people that give a good name to Christ. Because these bags, uh, they've just been awesome. They're giving a good name to Jesus and his church and our community. So I just want to thank you guys for your faithfulness and giving. And let's pray and thank God. Lord, we, we, we love you, God. We thank you that you saved us. You sent your son to die on the cross for us. We, God, we love you, Jesus. And we want to live for you, God. So right now we dedicate our finances to you. We want to use them for your kingdom, God. Give us an eternal mindset. We wouldn't be satisfied with the things of this world, 
But we would live knowing that this life is so short and we want to bring as many people as we can to heaven with us, God. So help us use our money to build your kingdom. It's all yours, God. And we worship you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.